Welcome to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. We're now in Hershali, students in Georgia Tech's Human Computer Interaction Program. In this episode, we will be chatting about information visualization in HCI. We have two guests with us today, Arpit and Chow. Let's begin by having everyone introduce themselves. Chow, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Great. Thank you, Harshali and Nao. Hello, everyone. I'm Chow. I'm a second year MSHCI in Georgia Tech, and I got my bachelor's degree in economics and finance from Tsinghua University. So I enrolled in the course of InfoViz one year ago, and then later I did a graduate assistant job for Georgia Tech administration in data visualization. So that's pretty much it. Cool. We're super excited to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Arpit, how about you? Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Arpit Mathur. Like Chow, I'm a second year MSHCI student at Georgia Tech. Prior to Georgia Tech, I had a bachelor design from the Indian Institute of Technology, Guwahati. And there I really got to work on information visualization from like a really design point of view. Since coming to Georgia Tech, I've been able to work on like the technical side a little bit more. But yeah, like I'm really excited to be a part of this episode and talk about like InfoViz. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. The two of you are super excited to dive a little bit deeper into the topic of information visualization. First, let's start with a question that might seem a little basic, but actually has a very complex and somewhat fluctuating answer. So what does information visualization actually mean? Arpit, would you like to take it away? Sure. So I think there's this, so we have a lot of data, right? And we have this field of data analysis through which we kind of try and make sense of data. And by making sense, I mean, trying to get insights from it, trying to figure out patterns, trying to draw conclusions. So there's this broader field of data analysis. And probably this is not a great thing to say on a podcast, but humans are visual creatures and you can consume like a lot of information visually. So information visualization is basically interactively visually representing data to amplify like cognition. So like representing data in the form of like images and encoding different variables to different visual attributes. That's what information visualization is. And I kind of made it sound like Data visualization is a subset of data analysis, but typically we kind of see two purposes of data visualization. One is data analysis, where we have a lot of data and we do not know any insights and uh, we are visualizing it to learn about the data. It has another purpose, which is presentation of persuasion, where we know we have some insights that we want to convince others and we're using like a visual format to make a point. Uh, Yeah, I think those two purposes and understanding that is important. Wow. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. I really liked what you said about how we're using information visualization to like amplify cognition. Um, I thought that was very profound. I haven't heard of it explained that way before. But yeah, Chow, would you like to add what information visualization means from your point of view? Yeah, thank you. I think RPID has already pretty much explained it thoroughly. I just want to add one point that because RPID mentioned a lot about data, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that by data, we don't necessarily mean only quantitative stuff here. It can be both quantitative and qualitative. So 
it can include text or geographic information. So by data here, it can kind of go way beyond our common understanding. So that's what, what I want to add to this question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great point that data, especially these days, comes in so many different forms, so many different versions. And I think a task of InfoViz is to kind of come up with new creative ways to like show that and, and tell that story. So I love everything that you guys are saying. But, you know, thinking about creating visualization, you know, what's the process of actually turning data into insight or amplifying cognition or persuading? What is that process like for you guys? And what are some key considerations to keep in mind when you're making a good viz? Chow, maybe you can start us off this time. Yeah, so I tend to approach this from a typical HCI or UX perspective that we start from research and understand and then we ideate, design, and prototype. Later on, we evaluate and find issues and then iterate to go back to the beginning of the loop and to maybe repeat the loop kind of several times. And so the most important parts I want to emphasize are firstly, understanding. So we need a profound understanding of both the data and our users. So for the data, we, we need to understand what's the essential nature underlying this kind of data. And there can be really complicated, maybe logics uh, among all this data. And how do we break that down? Maybe using some kind of framework to make sure that at least our, we ourselves as designers understand what we have on the table clearly. And for users, it's pretty important that because essentially, eventually we want to use InfoViz to reinforce human cognition. And so for cognition, so what is the purpose of our users' cognition? Like what, what kind, of, kind of roles uh, are they taking? Are they kind of investors uh, evaluating their stocks for the investment? Or are they, are, are they professors uh, looking at their research performance? And so that's pretty important, like the roles and needs of our users. Uh, and then for ideate, we, we generate uh, lots of ideas uh, of how do we fulfill this kind of needs with the data we have. But another pretty important point I want to focus on is in the part of design and the prototype. This is kind of different than like most areas in HCI and UX. Because imagine if you are designing a mobile application, you can do a prototype or with all this kind of sketching uh, software or even by your hand, and then you can get some kind of user interface. And then pretty much you can be confident that you should be able to build that up with some kind of developing framework as long as it's not too wild. But for InfoViz, this is totally different because like when you are sketching or when you're prototyping, normally you, you, you don't really put real data into your design. And so it's pretty important that you try it with real data because you can sketch for like 10,000 ideas, maybe skater plots, bar charts, like no matter what you want, but you never know what it's gonna really look like until you import real data into it. Maybe you want a, like, like a skater plot, but later on when you input real data into that, you find like all the points are like scattered into a certain, squeezed into a certain interval. And then like you, you barely discriminate or identify a 
single data point from it, it's highly likely that like what's shown, what was, it's never gonna work out the way you initially wanted. So it's pretty important to like try it with real data instead of only sketching and prototype it, like only by your idea. And then later on for evaluate, that's kind of like typical ways of how we do it in HCI and UX. Like you, you do it with usability test or heuristic evaluation. So that's pretty much like my thoughts regarding the process. Wow, that was, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. And I actually didn't kind of realize how like that ideation and the design phase can be kind of like the wild west where you don't really know what your data will say at the other end. That's super interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. But Arpit, how about how about your process? And you know, like, do you follow the same kind of HCI cycle, or are there other considerations you're keeping in mind? Like, tell us about that. So I agree with Chow, and I think I also think of my process for creating visualizations. Maybe it's because of my education and like at CI, but I also like to think of it as like a typical design process. Typically, my projects have kind of started with like a data set or a description of a data set. So the first step for me usually has been, like Jao said, doing some research to get a context. I feel like the context is a very important piece in like visualizations. So if if it's going to be, for instance, a visualization to kind of learn about voting patterns in America or like the elections, you need to have some context of what that space is. You need to do a little research to identify what's interesting in this domain. So that's the first step for me. The second thing I like to do is with the data set that I have, I like to draft up some questions. And there's usually two types of questions that I look into. The first kind of questions that the data can answer. So these are questions, for instance, like if I take the example of like elections in the US, these can be questions that which is the most liberal state, which is the most Republican state. So these are questions which the data potentially has the power to answer. The second set of questions I ask are more metadata related. So metadata is basically data about data. And these will be questions like, where is this data coming from? How accurate is this data? Is the the data collection method uh, appropriate, accurate, things like that. And I think the best visualizations are the ones that can answer both these sets of questions. So, I mean, no, no data collection method is perfect, right? So if you can encode that certainty of the data in your visualization too, I think that that's like something you should strive to do. And that's something that's very difficult as well. But yeah, once I have these questions in place, then it's ideation time. Like I pick up a pencil or a pen and I'm, I'm drafting up like different sketches for what a dashboard might look like to answer some of these questions. I really like Chao's explanation about testing it with real data. I 100% agree that like, you know, your ideation and like you cannot shortlist a idea just on the basis of a sketch because when you encode it with like real data, it, it might not look like anything meaningful. I 100% agree with that. Sometimes in one of my projects, I had this challenge where I had to design a dashboard for Uh, like a real-time dashboard for some data that we would be collecting. There was no way for me to really predict what that data would look like. That's a case where I had to kind of rely just on like sketching and like I didn't have the real data to encode it with. So that's a challenge I think we face. But yeah, the final step is like visually enhancing it, looking for edge cases, seeing where the system might break. So yeah, that's my process in a nutshell. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your process as well, Arpit. I think it's really interesting to hear kind of the overlap, both your process and Chow's process in creating a great 
visualization. You guys both brought up something that I think it's interesting because it seems like the process is similar to like the user-centered design process or the process that we use within HCI, which for some reason, I don't know why I thought it would be like that different. But when we think about it, the data visualization and the information visualization part is kind of like the medium of the designer of that quote unquote, like technology. So like how would, so the process wouldn't really be that different based on what we were taught, but that's cool about what you all spoke on with testing it with data. Because I don't know, we think about testing things with users all the time, but it makes total sense to actually add data within your design to see if things are actually meaningful and if they actually make sense to people. So that was really great. We kind of talked about this a little bit in terms of information visualization and then like within HCI, but this field is something that has a lot of roots in more of the computer science and like data science community. But going along with what you two have kind of already talked about, what is something that's really unique that HCI brings to the table within this space? And how can we trained user advocates contribute to the world of information visualization? Arpit, would you like to start us off? I think at its core, information visualization has a lot of concepts that overlap a lot with like what we learn in HCI. Like if you think about it, the goal is really to make things easier for like analysts and users to read, to consume, to make sense of. So at its core, it's very heavily related to like usability, right? It definitely has its roots in like data science and computer science, but just like interacting with the WIS community over the past year, I've realized like a lot of them do consider themselves to be HCS specialists as well because of the skill set that it requires. Funnily enough, the other day I was reviewing like someone's portfolio and I kind of was giving them feedback on their portfolio and I ended up saying something like, you know, you should make the overview clearer. You should make your skill sets and your interests stand out like at first glance at an overview. But at the same time, like if someone's really interested in your project, you should let them dig deeper and explore your project more to see what you've done. And as I was saying it, I realized that's basically what the famous Schneiderman mantra is. And that's something that's like referred to a lot in like the InfoWiz community. That, and the Schneiderman mantra basically is uh, overview first, zoom and filter details and demand. Knowing that, I think like helped me in like portfolio design as well. And I think just learning like InfoWiz principles in general will help you in life. That's what I believe. Yeah, that's a that's a great connection. Um, you just mentioned between like our portfolios and that principle you mentioned within information visualization. I think that is pretty common to hear that you start with like this bigger picture and then you continue drilling down to explore the data and um, try to find the answers to whatever questions you have and what you're using this visualization for. Chow, what are your thoughts? What do you think is unique about HCI in this realm of information visualization? I tend to approach this question from a maybe a more philosophical perspective. So if we step back and think about a longer historical horizon. So let's imagine what InfoWiz will be like in the 23rd century, 200 years later. I have no idea what that will be like. Maybe that will be related to computer science. Maybe computer science is no longer called computer science at that time. And also on the class of InfoWiz, so the professor introduced lots of examples which occurred way before the invention of computer in 1946. There were examples from 18th and 
17th centuries. And so here, what I want to emphasize here is that the technology can evolve a lot. It can change exponentially. Something which had lots of great inputs and inspirations from psychology, cognitive science, or even maybe like the underlying biology. Because for example, so InfoVis, we know that when we realize the data, so if we add some kind of motions in the presentation, it can grab people's attention because like as humans, we don't evolve as fast as the technology we invent. And so, for example, in regarding InfoVis, the professor taught us that, okay, if you want to emphasize something, if you want to grab users' attention to some parts of the data, you can use motion or maybe graphics. So if we go one step further, like why do people react so quickly to motions? Because that's how we evolve, right? Like imagine 10,000 years earlier, like our ancestors, they were in the forest. And when, when they see some kind of motions, they'd better react to it quickly. Otherwise, they end up being breakfast. And maybe luckily, they, they, they get their own breakfast. So, and also, we react to like colors like much more quickly than shapes and sizes. That's the easiest way for us to differentiate between different kinds of elements. That's kind of similar, right? Because that's how our ancestors find their maybe fruits or dangers in the wild by differentiating by the color. So I want to emphasize on the human side in the field that maybe it, it, it's highly relevant to the field of psychology or cognitive science. I think the process itself will kind of hold constant and it will be relevant despite all these changes in technology. And so that's my major thinking about this question. It's about human. Cool. I mean, there, there's so much to unpack there. I think you're so right about, uh, you know, understanding how humans process the world and then building our infovis, like our current visualizations around that. I think that's super important because I think throughout this episode, we've heard, you know, infovis is at the end of the day about people, right? It's not just about the data. It's about how people interpret and, and understand the data. That's really important. And I, and I hear that, you know, human HCI brings that human component to the study and to the field itself. Um, so thank you for both of those responses. Super, super interesting to think about. But kind of on the flip side, you know, thinking about, you know, what are some ways InfoViz can help the HCI community be better? You know, how can, how can InfoViz help us be better researchers or designers or engineers? You know, how do we employ these principles of InfoViz to our own work? Chad, maybe you can start us off this time. We can still start thinking from the gap I mentioned between design and ideation versus real implementation. Because as I've already mentioned that InfoViz is pretty challenging in the sense that you never know what it's going to really look like until you build it with real data. So it, it's different than like the way you can prototype or sketch it out. And so here for this challenge, the one major way we, we adopt to face this challenge is that we analyze the data itself carefully and seriously. And so here, because there's a limitation in the common approach of designers to think visually that normally we encourage people to maybe create or maybe sketch something out before thinking too much. But here, because there's no way we can really maybe implement all of our ideas with real data because that's too costly. That's way more costly than sketching things out or build a quick prototype with Sketch or Figma. So here we kind of need to build something in our brain like many times. And this requires that we have a really profound understanding of the data. And 
So for this, it it is kind of demanding for our analytic analytical skills, especially when the data set is pretty complicated and complex. Because in the real world, if when we visualize data, it's not gonna be as like ideal and simple as the data the test data set we get Kaggle or GitHub. It can it can be pretty pretty complicated, and it's challenging to for us to enhance our quantitative and logic reasoning skills. And although it's the data is not only about quantitative stuff, but I still think that this kind of quantitative and logic reasoning for us to analyze things is going to be pretty helpful. I love that. As a, I mean, as a researcher, like I always want designers and engineers to immerse themselves in the data. And I think you're so right that InfoViz and the process of creating visualizations really forces people to think and really immerse themselves in data and kind of really figure out how messy and how complicated it is. And I completely agree. I think, you know, being somebody who works with human, you know, human behavior data every day, I think humans are so complicated and messy. And I think you're right that like not every data set is going to be clean and on casual or GitHub. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some really important points. And I love that. How about you, Arbeth? You know, how, how has InfoViz helped you become a better HCI expert? So I think the the skill set that you need to be like like an InfoViz person that can be like really useful for any HCI specialist. One project that I've been working on, interestingly, we kind of explored that a little. So I was working under the advisement of Professor Benjamin Shapiro, and we were working on ways in which data visualization can kind of augment qualitative research, right? So I, I think for quantitative research, it, it's uh, like pretty standard slash straightforward to uh, use visualization to analyze results. So like the first thing when we get results from like a survey is like we draw like graphs to make sense of it, right? So already the skill set is of use to, I think, researchers. We were exploring different ways in which we can kind of make sense of qualitative data sets through visualization. And like we were focusing on this one video of like a classroom setting where in an elementary classroom, uh, students are interacting with the teacher and it's like a bilingual classroom and for a qualitative researcher there's so much there to unpack and there's so many insights to draw and so many opportunities but what we found was when you make like different visualizations encoding different data points from the video you can you can not only like gain some insights that you might not have otherwise but like it also facilitates like your qualitative research so one pattern which we found was that you know like if you have a visualization accompanying the video it kind of draws your attention to specific parts of the video where then you can like look in closer detail to see what what patterns might be there in the video. That's something like I've been very actively exploring too. Another thing I'd like to say is in all the projects I've worked on, which have been visualization related, even though like we're making a dashboard, we're making a visualization, the team is never just visualization people. At the beginning, we spoke about how like the context is very important. So like, if it's a dash for like in the healthcare sector, if it's like a dashboard that's going to be used by doctors, a lot of the team will be people who have expertise in like healthcare technologies or who know the context better. I was working on a project where we were uh, visualizing uh, hate speech trends online. So for that, like a lot of the team was not just like visualization researchers, but also like social computing people who have a better context of what's interesting or what's not. So I think like it's useful to think about information visualization as a skill set 
rather than like you are responsible for this and you're responsible for like the design i think like in my experience maybe this is just academy and things work differently in the industry but like when you're working on the project like all members are kind of very actively involved in all parts and like there's a transfer of skill set as well it's more useful to think of like infoviz as a skill set rather than like job title or something yeah a lot of great points being brought up here i think the examples you provided were really great to both you and chow i think from my perspective going along with what harshali was talking about earlier like as a researcher and working with designers and engineers i feel like information visualization also or data viz in general how you communicate your data and tell that story i think is just so important within this field because oftentimes it's like researchers trying to share findings and insights with designers to inform their different concepts and things that they end up creating and then designers going to engineers and like this is how it could be developed or things like that so you all are right it is definitely not just like siloed out and like this is your title it's definitely more of a skill set like you mentioned darkbit Going off of that, as we mentioned, like all these different aspects of information visualization, what do you all think is like the next big thing? What are you all like personally most excited about in this field? Um, Arpit, would you like to start us off on this one? I think there's like just interacting with like the WIS community. I found out there's like a lot of challenges that like researchers are currently working on. I think one of the biggest ones is literacy. Like whenever you think of like information visualization in like an industrial context, I don't know, at least my mind always goes to like fintech or like business facing applications where there'll be like a lot of data for you to analyze. But in terms of like consumer facing apps, like I, I feel like people don't explore visualizations in as much detail. You have the odd bar graph, line graph, pie charts, but I think a lot of that doesn't happen in consumer facing applications. And I think that's because a lot of the visualizations have like a learning curve and like it's, they're not as intuitive as we might want them to be for like a consumer. For instance, there was a survey conducted by like the American Trans Panel, which which kind of find out, found out that like only 63% of like American adults can uh, correctly read a scatter plot. And like the scatter plot is basically where you start off from, right? Like it'll be probably the first idea you have like uh, while you're brainstorming. So I feel like uh, how to cross this barrier of like literacy and the learning curve, that's a big challenge. Another big challenge currently is like we have this explosion of data and we have like terms like big data coming in where like we have like now a lot of data, much more data than we had like 10 years ago. I feel like our computers are like better equipped to process them as well. So from on a, on a backend point of view, like it's not a problem to deal with them. However, like human cognition is the same. It's been like as it was like 10 years ago. So like the best example is Google, right? Like it's capable of like going over the internet for like billions of results. But at a time, it'll show you 25 results because that's as many you can make sense of. There's a lot of work going on, like how to make like big data visualizations better and easier to read and like suiting them for like different tasks. And it's resulted in like sister disciplines or like visual analytics. That's kind of like a layer in between where like you process the data a little and then you visualize it. And the, finally, I think the, the thing I've been most excited about during my journey at Georgia Tech has been this new concept like data journalism, which basically deals with just storing tele, uh, storytelling through visualizations, right? So uh, if you see some of like the 
coverage by like new york times they they tell like these really amazing stories just by showing you like data in a visual format and i think this field has really like blurred the lines between like visualization experts and like creators and like there's a lot more scope for like creative work through information visualization and because of that i think the challenge is to develop tools that make that easier so currently like you have a spectrum of tools on one end you have tools that are like very easy to use but they do not let you customize as much so like you can make like a few views very easily on the other hand you have something like a d3.js programming language through which you can do like anything you can imagine but like you have to learn a whole programming language to do that so identifying where different creators lie on the spectrum and like designing tools to enable them to tell these stories i think that's like a very big challenge and i think that's my favorite of the ones i've mentioned i find that like really exciting i think we can sense your excitement <laughs> through this episode so we really love to hear it but it is interesting to think about kind of the evolution of just how we present data how uh, i remember even just a couple of years ago when i was when i had to take this introduction to information systems course and it was mainly just using like microsoft excel and microsoft access to generate reports and make pivot tables and these different csv files and to me at that point like a lot of us were thinking this is only a couple of years ago but a lot of us were like wow this is amazing that you can make bar charts and scatter plots and things like that but then now it has evolved into what you were mentioning arpit about like data journalism which the minute you said that phrase i immediately thought of new york times as well and all the different like articles and interactive things that they share from time to time um, so that's really cool i'm confident you could be a data journalist as well or a visual analytics person whatever the term will be wow thank you so much <laughs> yeah well, anytime i would say uh, it's kind of related to much more data than we could ever imagine maybe i am more concerned about this trend and one of the major breakthroughs we we are having now is internet of things and it's because we we've mentioned that previously we kind of imagine infobase to be something more for business or professionals and right now it's more and more for like regular consumers and internet of things is one of the things which can promote thing of infobase uh into the everyday life of all the consumers because we get sensors everywhere to collect data and then we feed all this data uh, as inputs to infobase and then maybe the positive side are that potentially people can have a better track of maybe their health condition maybe what's going on with their with their parents with your parents with your senior citizens or with your kids potentially and part of this can make it more convenient but there's more challenge over there that this kind of approach to collect data everywhere through internet of things can of of course we've already imagined that it can be violation of privacy and also it can provide like extra challenges to people's understanding and comprehension of all this data in the presentation so that's one thing i guess maybe i'm i'm not that excited about i'm kind of worried about but i think it's worth paying attention to yeah absolutely yeah that that trend's been going on for a while both you know sort of going hand in hand with the big data trend we're just collecting a lot more data and and from a lot of devices around us so i think that's a really fair concern and i think that's a concern we've been hearing more and more about in 
the InfoViz community, but also kind of at large. I also hear this that like, you know, as researchers and as people who work with data, I think we should also be like cognizant of just kind of the privilege that data is. You know, it's it's a privilege to have this information, and I think a respect for that is a, a more emerging trend um, that I've seen. So yeah, it's it's a very sort of interesting, almost philosophical discussion what, where InfoViz is going and, and where the field of data is going in general. Very cool. Our last question of the interview, this one's always a fun one. It's our hot take question. So for this week, for this episode, we're asking, you know, what is the worst visualization you have ever seen? Maybe Chow, you can start us off. Tell us about the worst viz you've ever seen in your life. This question is challenging in the sense that it, it's requiring me to presenting visual information in a verbal way. So, but I will try my best, I guess. So one example is that I'm not pretty sure whether you've heard the term of chart junk or not. And I can give you an example that I think it's for the information visualization for the space shuttle of Challenger, because we know that in 1986, there was a famous event of the space shuttle Challenger, which exploded. And it, it, it was a serious damage. And the issue came from some problem in the field joint that leaked in part of the rocket. And then there were some visualization in the, in the data and to let people think about how to present that information more clearly to help people identify this kind of issues beforehand to prevent this kind of serious challenges, this kind of catastrophe. And then there's one example that this guy, I think he drafted, I think at least like 30 icons of rockets onto the chart. Maybe that looks interesting at first glance, maybe. And then the approach is to kind of highlight the part, the corresponding part on this part of the like a icon of like that those kind of mini rocket on a chart. And then so all for all these small 30 mini rockets icons on a chart, there's some kind of numbers and then highlights on the icons. And then okay, for so maybe yeah, it is intuitive maybe to and maybe it's kind of engaging. It looks interesting for elementary school kid that there's 30 mini small rockets on the chart. But later on, like it's pretty overwhelming that like how do people really react to it? Because that's so overwhelming. And then all the visual elements on the chart, like all of this, all these like edges, you, you see all the shapes of this rocket. Like most of them are redundant information that you don't really need. I would say that's kind of like, maybe it's not the worst example, but I, I would argue that it's pretty important for us to think about what we really want to present and what really matters to our users. And we don't really want to make it like look interesting, but it has to be meaningful and with the minimum cost of cognitive load. I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a story you hear a lot in the InfoViz like classes and community. Yeah. InfoViz can have some serious repercussions. So it's, it's important for us to be like very cognizant about like what the issues and the usability challenges, challenges even are for sure. Arvid, how about you? What's the worst viz you've seen? 
So I loved uh, Chao's the example he provided because a bad visualization literally cost lives uh, in that example. So uh, over the last two semesters, I've been a teaching assistant for the undergraduate level uh, intro to InfoWiz course. And we have this segment in our classes, which is called uh, Are You OK Chart? It's like an initiative by Professor Cleo Andres, but uh, as part of that segment, we kind of see like really bad visualizations and like critique them and like talk about what's wrong with them. The ones that irk me the most are usually like political visualizations that like don't respect the viewer at all. Like they just underestimate the intelligence of the viewer. So recently I'd seen one where it was basically like a line chart and it showed a downward trend as some metric. And the argument was that like in this government, there was a downward trend because of like the policies put in place by the government. But on closer inspection, if you see the x-axis, the dates were not in temporal order at all. They were just like random dates, like 2016 after 2019. I was just like scratching my head. How can anybody do that at all? So that's something that irks me a lot without like hurting my any future employment opportunities. <laughs> like I'm not advocating the use of like 3D anywhere in like information visualization. I know that's like a big no-no, but somehow like what irks me even more than 3D charts are like bad use of color on chart. And given like how many election visualizations were there, there was so many of them that use color like really ba badly. I saw one chart for each state uh, in the United States, it had like encoded it by color. For what reason, I'm not sure, but like I cannot differentiate between like if, if you're going to have 50 colors for most pairs, I'm not going to be able to differentiate the color. So like, do you actually expect me to read that chart? So that that like irks me much more than like having a 3D vis. I know you shouldn't have a 3D vis because of issues of occlusion and perception and all, but like I find it way worse if like someone gets a 2D vis wrong. So yeah, I think that's my hot take. <laughs> love, love that hot take. Yeah, I think color especially. I feel like color is so abused in the vis world. Yeah. Color is not used in, uh, intentionally. I, I but now, how about you? What's what's a hot take? What's the worst viz you've ever seen? I will preface this with the fact that I haven't taken the information visualization class at Georgia Tech, and my experience in this area is quite limited. So I don't know how valid this hot take is. Anyways, I think pie charts are terrible. <laughs> I took business analytic classes and like business intelligence classes in college. And the consensus was that pie charts are just really poor at communicating data. They take up more space and they're hard to read sometimes. It's like kind of misleading because there's like different sizes with like thin slices and thick slices, hard to discern, difficult to interpret. And then some people even like stack pie charts on top of each other. But so the worst pie chart I've seen actually is, and I'm happy to share this so we can have like a visual for it as well, but it is a pie chart about cake data. And it was just the worst because what they did was they took photos of cake and like sliced it themselves and then pieced it together in this pie. So colors were like not, they didn't like provide any color contrast. It was things were blending together. And it just didn't make sense. And that is my hot take for this one. <laughs> I love that. That sounds disgusting, but wow. I think I feel like pie charts are sort of universally 
looked down upon in in the biz community. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, I I have like a soft corner for Pythons. Again, I don't want to hurt any future employment opportunities. <laughs> So that's what I want to mention about pie chart. That way, you never really differentiate anything from it. For engaging and interesting, it's going to be the opposite. That because you are squeezing the presentation, and then it's going to undermine the real effect of the presentation. Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> yeah. Wait, Arvid, I'm curious about your sweet spot for pie charts. Because I think Chow is like. You know, you can have them, but you got to make them right. I I wouldn't say I love pie charts or anything, but I think they have their place. There's a place and time to use a pie chart, and I think they get a bad rep because they're used incorrectly most of the time. So to start off, like the advantage of a pie chart is like people know what to expect, right? People know how to read pie charts, and which is why I think they should be used. Only when you're kind of presenting to the general public, not as much maybe for like analysis purposes, but like if you're trying to make a point to like casual readers, like a pie chart might be a good option. And the only, only, only time you should use a pie chart is if you're comparing two things. Like Chow said, like uh, if you have like ten, twelve uh, slices in a pie chart, you're not going to be able to compare them at all. And it's those examples that we see as like bad examples of pie charts. Which are like ridiculous, but I think if you're just comparing two, two things and uh, like you're presenting it to like a common public, uh, common audience, I think it's like a powerful visualization. So if if you want to show that you're comparing two things and like one sector is way bigger than the other sector, that's like a powerful visualization. So for presentation purposes, it's not that bad, but I think like. It's it's misused a lot, and like I I used to be of the view where you know never use a pie chart, but for one of my projects, like I was working with my professor, and uh, like my professor kind of said, you know, in this context, a pie chart is not that bad, and that's kind of got me thinking basically that like there's a time and place for a pie chart, but like only these limited conditions are when you should use it. <laughs> I feel like this is like the only episode where we could have a <laughs> discussion about pie charts, so I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm, we're gonna wind down now. So thank you so so much to both Zhao and Arpit for joining us on this episode of the HC Hive.、Um, and to all of our listeners out there, tune in next time for an episode where we chat with three incredible people about their experiences as international students in the U.S. Because if you know, you know. And if you don't, yikes! Yay! That was so much fun. Hey, just a moment. There's more. This week we're featuring our friends Sue and Nora. The track is called "Bad Bat." If you like what you hear, check out more of their music on Bandcamp. Find those details in the episode description, and here it is: "Bad Bat."